0: First, okay, so we're we're at the we just last week the episode was the ascension, right? That was pretty epic. Historic narratives are fun because it's stories, so it's story time again. We're into a new episode, um, and the episodes we saw so far are pretty gnarly, right? The ascension, he Jesus flies. If you you know that's fun to tell the kids that Jesus knows Jesus can fly, um, but he did. He ascended, and then the, right where we left off last week was. The two men in white are like, hey, why are you standing around looking there? Say, he's going to come back the same way in which he went. And this is where we're picking up. So right now, you have to try to get into the episode right now. Okay? You know how in those of you who watch some TV series and stuff, they have like, you know, like scenes from blah, blah, blah. They, they do a little clip of the past. So that you can kind of like, okay, yeah, this is where we stay. You know, that's kind of what you got to do every time we come back into the book of Acts. So right now the mood, imagine, just try to imagine um, when Sovereign pointed out it was a Sabbath day walk. Can you imagine being on that walk? Like you're walking half a mile and all this stuff running through your mind, Like you just saw the risen Savior take off in the clouds. And I'm imagining just like I was trying to really put myself in their shoes just like. Such a swirl of emotion. I mean, you saw this man you love so much die. He came back to life. And then he's been teaching you these things about the kingdom. I mean, I'm imagining the disciples probably just having these, just rehearsing a lot of the things that Jesus said. I was trying to think of Peter, because Peter's going to be a big character in our episode tonight. And I was trying to imagine Peter. And, and, and one, one, one story of Peter that came to mind was, you know, when Jesus says, um, he reinstates Peter. He's like, Peter, do you love me? And if you, oh, yes, Lord, you know, I love you. And then what does he tell him? If you love me, then what? Feed my sheep, tend my lambs. And he's like, oh, and he asked him again, do you love me? He's like, oh, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And he's like, oh, if you love me, then what? Feed my sheep, tend my lambs. And then he asked him a third time, and then Peter was kind of hurt by that. He's like, Jesus, come on. But Jesus And I'm imagining that conversation being so fresh in Peter's mind because when we get into tonight's episode, if you will, or the text, what does Peter do? He steps up, feeds a sheep. So tonight we're going to see a, an interesting little s- snippet of this episode where, and, and it's, you know, it's really interesting, but I don't want us to miss the big picture of, of Acts 1-8. Remember this as the backdrop of Acts. This is all about the Acts of the Holy Spirit spreading the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ crucified, buried, resurrected. This is all about that. And so you got to imagine, imagine being one of these disciples, you're told to wait. And so while they're in waiting, we're going to see what they do. And, and, and I think it's such an amazing example what they do. They're, and I'm imagining Peter, even just as, as they're walking now, think about it. They were walking physically with Jesus for three years. This is the first time, if you will, that they might be tempted to feel they're on their own. Imagine that. Three years of the physical Jesus with you, guiding you, telling you, co- correcting you here and there. And then now he's gone. He's in the sky. So this is a very interesting little window of a season of waiting. And... I think there's a, there is a lot of practical things we can pick up of because I do think we're going to learn lessons on how to discern the will of God tonight. I think we're going to learn lessons on how to wait. I think we're going to learn lessons on how to walk with God. You know, anyone ever asked you that? Oh, well, how's, how's your walk going with God? And you just feel kind of like, oh, I don't know <laughs> oh, what you mean, Cause you know, right? This can help put some real meat on that. Um, but I, I don't want us to miss the big picture of them discerning the will, them trying to figure out what God is doing in their circumstances in their life has everything to do with the Great Commission. Keeping the Great Commission the greatest concern. Okay? This is not just a a talk tonight of how to discern God's will for your life. All right? That's not what these prayer meetings are going to look like. All right? There's a big purpose picture behind what they're going to be doing tonight and it's getting this message out. Okay? So, we're going, to see, we're going to hear a lot of that kind of stuff, walking with God, discerning His will. Let's pick it up at verse: 12. And before I do that, um, I believe, because you know, as we read and I've been praying, like I, I prayed this before I came tonight. God, for those whom you decide to bring here tonight, or for those of us joining online, if there are decisions that need to be made, you're at a crossroads tonight you're weighing in some heavy things in your life that you just don't know which way to go, what to do, how to even go about deciding that, I pray that this text tonight would really minister to you. Let's go. Verse 12. So they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey, Away, Good. They returned to Jerusalem because verse 4, that's where Jesus said to go. They're following God's lead one step at a time. Just hear that. This journey with Jesus, it's a step-by-step thing. Don't overcomplicate this walk. One step at a time. Jesus spoke. They got the instruction. They did it. Quick question before we move on. What was the last thing Jesus told you to do? And did you do it? Plain and simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Romans ten seventeen: faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Second Corinthians five seven says we walk by faith, not by sight. James chapter two says, faith without words, without walking, it's meaningless. You call yourself Christian, you you call yourself someone that's walking with God. Are you? It's the last thing Jesus told you. Today, even day by day, step by step, guys, we are pilgrims in progress, journeying through this life. So they take that next step. They're heading down to Jerusalem. Verse 13. When they had entered, they went to the upper room. Okay, In those days, most houses had upper rooms. Okay? Flat roofs. Sometimes the upper room was right above the flat or they had it like um, right underneath. But it was typically the hangout. It was the spot is where they had a lot of meetings, maybe meals. But they got there. They went to the upper room where where they were staying. I'm going to read through this list of guys. Now, just try to imagine. And I know that we don't know all these guys personally, but here's the list. Luke is very keen to list all these guys. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas. Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Get plenty of people same name, ah. That's why this list gets guaranteed. If they had contacts, cell phone, they would have a hard time. You ever have like, actually, I hung out with Josh recently this week, and I was texting some of you. I was like, what's Josh's last name? Because you know how you forget to put like a a detail next to the name, like, you know, Josh from the beach or Josh from the elevator at Walmart or something, you know, like it, you have to put something else when you forget. Yeah, I had like four Josh's in my contacts, and I was like, oh, which Josh is that? You know, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So when, when you read through the Bible, there's, look, there's two Judases. How's that one, right? Um, multiple James. But anyway, all these, all these guys, and like Bree pointed out, these women, later he says, verse 5, 120 some. All these with one accord, look what they're doing while they're waiting, devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Pause there. As they waited, guys, As they remained, this is what they were doing. They were in corporate. I'm going to explain why I'm using these words. Corporate, together, commute like this, corporate, Christ-centered, constant prayer. While they were waiting, while they were seeking God's will, while they were in this window, this is what they were doing when they didn't know what to do. Corporate, Christ-centered, constant prayer. And it leads to helping them discern God's will and respond to His Word. But we'll we'll look at this first. Let's pick at these terms. You know, it says all these or together. That's where we get corporate. We're gonna see this thing, they're gonna see this come up again and again through this book of Acts. The church gathered, they devoted themselves to being together. I love that. Trevor pointed out they didn't scatter, if anything, because this resurrection was real. It's like, oh, bro, we got to really get together. I love the announcements that Mel brought up of opportunities to gather corporately. But now look at this. They weren't just gathering to hang. They were gathering in one accord. Now, I'm going to give you the word study on this, not just because the word sounds cool, but the, the definition is powerful. Homothumadon, one accord. One mind, one accord, or one passion. One mind, one accord. Sound familiar? We just studied through Philippians. One passion. There's 12 occurrences of this word in the book of Acts. It's, it's a compound word. Here's the two compound words. To rush along in unison. That's a cool picture. Rushing, advancing, in unison. That's beautiful. The concordance said it like this. This image is also musical. Musical. It's a number of notes sounded, which while all different, are harmonizing in pitch and tone. That's what this group looked like. Instruments of a great concert under the direction of one concert master. So the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of the members of Christ's church. That's so beautiful. Isaiah was writing his observation. Something changed. This is a different gang right now. This is why I say Christ-centered. Because what's the one passion? What's the one mind? Well, let me remind us from the passages we studied in Philippians. Philippians 1, verse 27 to 28. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear this of you, that you're standing firm in one spirit, one mind, Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything of your opponents. This is a clear sign for them of their destruction, but of your salvation that's from God. Later in chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 1 to 2, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. You see that? Having the same love. Being in, here's the word, full accord. Full accord. One accord. One mind. What brought this unified group together? What were they united under? That one same faith in Jesus. That he came, lived perfect. I couldn't live perfect. They all agreed that they're sinners and they couldn't save themselves. And they all agreed that Jesus was perfect. And that he lived the righteous life. And that when he did die, he absorbed the wrath that I deserve. They were all in agreement on this. 120 some of these people, this is their faith. This is the one accord. And they believe that because they place their faith in this man who really did die and resurrect. that my soul is saved and secure. That I'm saved by grace alone. Not because of my good works or my performance. I'm saved by grace and I placed my faith in him, and he's alive, and he's now risen. I saw him leave in the clouds. I just just get so fired up when I imagine 120-some people who really believe that huddled in a prayer meeting. That's the type of prayer meeting, a Christ-centered prayer meeting that was going on. Because I don't know about you, maybe some of you have tried to go to prayer meetings or participated in prayer meetings, and maybe, I don't know, there was something off about it or whatnot, but, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm honest with myself, a lot of times, even when I show up at a prayer meeting, it's not Christ-centered. It's me-centered. I show up at a prayer meeting to pray for what I want. And if I don't get it, prayer is junk. I don't like this. Well, you know, James calls that out in chapter 4. He says, you have not because you don't ask, but when you ask, you ask wrongly. You're not praying in light of Acts chapter 1 verse 8 in the great commission and the kingdom your kingdom come your will be done. That's not how you pray. You pray, look it up, James 4 so that you can spend what you want on your own pleasures. It's all about you. That's your prayer life. If they were praying like that, they're not this is not one accord. That is not prayer meeting. That's not how the church prayed here and that's not how the church ought to pray. They were in one accord. That's why I said Christ-centered. It's about Christ. Now just be, like, you know, assess yourself. Ask the Spirit right now. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. What's your prayer journal been looking like? When you show up at prayer meetings or when you pray with a brother and sister, what really is it about? Because Jesus needed to redirect them a little bit earlier you remember when they were asking earlier, last week's text, oh, when's the kind, when is Israel going to be restored? And they were thinking all political and this life. Can you imagine if they stayed in that mindset? I wonder what their prayer meeting would have been. Get these Romans out of here. I don't know. But it wouldn't have been about the gospel advancing to the nations. We need to check ourselves to see if we really are praying Christ-centered prayers. And we need to check ourselves when we come together corporately and we come together in a unified song and prayer, is it really one mind, one faith for the advancement of the gospel? Is that the cause? Is our prayer meetings about the cause of Christ, or is it about the cause of my marriage, my my money, my job, my friends? I want this, I want that. Is that the sum of your prayer life? Is that where your prayers end? Because that's not how these guys were praying check ourselves what makes us one accord i hope our one passion here at new orleans baptist is the cause of christ i had to really ask the lord to search my heart this week when i prayed for per- cuz i pray for we you ought to pray for personal things but if we start to pray in light of this, like with, with Christ as the center and the, the aim, then when you pray for your job, it change, like the gospel changes the way you pray for your workplace now. Those of you college students, as you're praying and asking the Lord for discernment of what degree, you know, some of you are getting ready to leave, travel the, leave off the island. You're trying to figure out what's my job, what's my occupation. If you're Christian now, If you believe in something that's everlasting life, it should affect that. It it should affect the way I pray for my parenting. It's not just about that. It's about something so much greater. Praying for your relationships, your marriages, or whatever it is that's a concern of your heart tonight. You're begging God for wisdom and you're trying to discern. It's bigger than just you. It was never about just you. We need to come to a place of praying with one accord. I've been asking God to really help me to, in my prayers. even if, like, Let's say, even I'm going to the beach to surf and I'm praying, God, where do I surf today? Even that, I want this gospel to change that. Take me to a whole new level of dimension of thinking so that whatever I do, whether I eat or drink or work or school or surf or whatever, it's all for the glory of God. It's all in hopes that if I do this, if I go in that direction, this furthers the kingdom's purpose, the kingdom's cause. Do you pray like that? God help us. Corporate Christ-centered prayer meetings. Oh man, what it must have been like to be in that upper room, 120 plus people just praying their knees out for the cause of Christ. And just, gosh, that's a foretaste of heaven. Here's some words in this that I don't want to rush through. Devoting themselves. That's where I get the word constant. To persevere, to show oneself courageous. That's out of the concordance. I love that. To show yourself courageous for prayer. Gosh, I never want to lose that. Of course, he has to put they devoted themselves because in the flesh, I guarantee you had some guys in there struggling. What else are we going to do? You guys can use and pray some more. Okay, you know, like I don't know, cause you there, there's this sense of like, you, man. If there's ever a meeting or a gathering in any church that's probably the most attacked and and the most unattended, guarantee the prayer meeting. When God called me into ministry, there was a very clear burden that He pressed on my heart that I never want to lose. It's to be at the place of prayer. Never forget who you believe in. Don't don't lose your faith. And when you get there, Chris, you get on your knees and you call out to God. Gosh, man, I, I want to be a part of that, a church that really does believe that they can't do this without the Holy Spirit. They can't do this without Christ. Serious Christian, young man, young woman, families. Are we devoted to prayer and prayer that is Christ centered in one accord? God help us, please. And I wondered man, where did these guys learn this? Where did they learn to be so passionate about prayer? Who taught them how to pray like this? Who was that? I saw like five mouths Jesus. Yes, Jesus taught them, right? Luke 11, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them, when you pray, our corporate father. When you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's about him. And they followed him. Remember, this is all fresh in their mind. I'm imagining being in this prayer meeting, and they have images of when Jesus made the whip's. When he showed up at the temple and people weren't praying. And John says in chapter 2, zeal for his house consumed him. And Luke mentions things like in chapter 5, Jesus often withdrew to pray. Often. Gosh. And I'm imagining just them right there in that upper room with the 120 thinking like, man, our Lord ascended. But we're going to follow in his footsteps. And we're, you know what, guys? We're going to pray right now. We don't know what to do or where to go. We were told to wait. We're going to wait. But while we're waiting, we're going to pray. One accord. We're going to call down, call, call out, call upon the name of the Lord and wait. And then we'll move. In your, in, your, in your process, for those of us who have been discerning and trying to figure out decisions to make in life, Honestly, just be honest and don't let yourself get away with it so quickly cuz we're so easy to say like oh yeah, you know I've been praying. Really? <laughs> really, when did you stop and pray? Remember, they're not waiting for some force or or just the spirit of God is just some thing. They're waiting for a person. The person of the Holy Spirit. When you pray, you're going to a person. The per- God Corporate christ center constant prayer. One passion, one faith. Oh, man, keep us courageous for prayer, Father. Don't let us ever, ever lose our constancy and courage to pray. Now more than ever, guys. Now more than ever. When you show up at gatherings, whether it's Sunday or Wednesday or any other day, Is one of your aims to find a brother or sister in the faith and get together and pray? You know, one of the things that jolts my heart so much when I'm at church sometimes is seeing brothers and sisters here and there, whether it's in the church prayer meeting or out just praying together. That's such a beautiful picture. I love that. Let's keep going. So they're praying, man. Verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. Company of persons was in all about 120. And he said, brothers, look at these things. Just really look at it. Pay attention. The scripture had to be fulfilled, which huge, underline this, circle it, highlight it. The Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. That's inspiration of scripture right there, straight up, super graphic. Holy Spirit spoke beforehand through the mouth of King David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Verse 17, he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in the ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Akedama, that is field of the flood. Verse 20, Peter says, it is written in the book. That's another one. I want you to highlight scripture had to be fulfilled. Holy spirit spoke through the mouth of David for it is written in the book of Psalms. May his camp become desolate and let there be no one um, to dwell in it and let another take his office. Verse 21. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out of among us, that's important. He's saying, okay, this guy's got to be someone that's been with us in the ministry from start to finish. He had to be a legit A legit witness. He was there. Verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become a witness with us to his resurrection. Okay, the phrases I want to highlight. Now imagine, this is what's going on in Peter's mind while they're praying and they're stirring and they're praying and they're praying. What's in his mind? Scripture. That's huge. There's a lot of things they learn from Jesus From before until now, and one of the things is that they took scripture to be the inspired word of God. That was huge, and it was believed. Earlier, Jesus spoke to them, said, Hey, go wait in Jerusalem. They obeyed. The word of Christ is the word of God. And they're also referencing now scripture. And they're wanting to obey. Augustine said, When scripture speaks, God speaks. That's why one of the things we're doing, church members, we're urging you to read through the Baptist Faith and Message. And that first article is all scripture. We believe that the scriptures are the inspired, infallible, inerrant, sufficient word of God. It's truth. And I love that. They believe that. Peter was quoting scripture. There's something that changed in Peter's mind. I'm thinking... You know, remember like the Bible study they had in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus? Jesus broke it down. All scripture is about me. He began with Moses and the prophets. And he's like, it all points to me. And this is a, this is a teaching or this is a doctrine that they believed. The scriptures, the Bible in your hand, it's precious. I pray more precious than you've ever seen it it is the word of god i pray that would wow you to the point where you become obsessed like this right here that i'm holding is the word of god and he in his grace gave us revelation and while they're waiting and trying to seek and discern the will of god Rightfully, they are looking to the scriptures. You're at crossroads this evening, right? A lot of decisions in your life need to be made. Maybe you have been praying. Maybe you realize this evening you've been praying wrongly. Well, add to those prayers, praying the scriptures, seeking the will of God through the revealed word of God. Like, Man, this is such a cool, awesome example by Peter. Scripture had to be fulfilled, Peter says. Just imagining him, man. Right before he gets up to say this, I I was just imagining like the, the words of Christ in him, just like feed my sheep. Tell him, open up the book, man. And so he does. It is written. Peter writes in his own letter in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, you can write this down for reference. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy three sixteen. all scripture is breathed out by God or inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You need wisdom and direction? Look to the book. Look to it. The word of God in prayer, we're seeing so far in this example. Spirit and truth, such a great example they're setting for us. How much of God's word or Bible verses, honestly, how much of the Bible is guiding your seeking process in your day to day decision making? Honest. Even in our prayers. I realize how me centered my prayers have been recently. I need to repent. Oh, man. Not just for me personally, but even for our church. I just have to keep coming. We got to keep coming back. You know, Peter could have thought, because right now they're trying to figure out, okay, who's going to replace Judas, right? And remember, it's not merely about that. It's not about replacing Judas. It's bigger than that. Remember, it's Acts 1.8. Jesus had told us in Matthew that, you know, we're, you know, 12 of you are going to rule over 12 tribes. 12 of you are going to be responsible for taking these teachings, taking the gospel, getting it to the world. So Peter is, I'm thinking, amidst the 120, in this upper room, praying, seeking, like, God, what? You know, and these psalms come to mind. You know, Psalm 69, Psalm 109. And he's trying to make sense of his life right now and what's happening in the circumstances around him. And he's stirring in prayer and seeking the scriptures. And then God shows up, opens his eyes. This is bigger than just trying to figure out Judas. It's about getting the gospel out. But I thought to myself, you know, if Peter wasn't praying the scriptures, I mean, maybe the, his seeking process would have looked different. Would, oh, okay, we got to replace Judas. Judas used his teeth from the bag and steal out of money. So we gotta find a brother that's just not gonna t- touch the money. You know, like he could have thought like that. No. He searched the scriptures. It was the word of God. It is written. It is written. That ought to be our reasoning. But they took the scriptures as the inspired word of God and they decided to respond. Verse 23, they put forward two. And I like the reasonings though, the wisdom God's given. Gotta make sure, and Luke wants Theophilus to see this, that the 12 chosen were men who were legit eyewitnesses from the baptism all the way to the ascension. This is huge because Luke is doing a work right now and he's trying to make sure this is historical fact right now. This message is not only legit and true, but the carriers of it, they're legit. You can say, right, I, I, I agree with these guys. You can trust this. But, so anyway, He's he's putting forth that out. He out of the prayer meeting, he says, okay, this is what the scriptures say, and we should this is what we're gonna do. We should do this. And they put forward two. So two guys came to mind. It's funny. Joseph called Barsabbas, who is also called Justice. How much nicknames gotta have, huh? That's like Kaleo, also called Conrad, also called Connie, also called Rad, also called Leo. You know, like <laughs> and then there was Matthias. You know, <laughs> but anyway, I mean. It's just interesting. Uh, Joseph called Barsabas, who was also called Justice, and then there's Matthias. So there's two guys, and they prayed. I look at their prayer. I like this. You, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Isaiah pointed this out, right, in his observation time. There's just so much things in this. You got to just really read it and take it and just like, whoa. You, Lord, you know the hearts of all. This church knew how sovereign God was, man, and just Hebrews 4, no creature is hidden. Everything laid bare before the eyes of him. God, you know, it's crazy to just know right now. God knows all our hearts in this room. And in this seeking process, as they're praying, as they're searching the scriptures, they also acknowledge that God, you know, ultimately, you know, even we're going to cast these lots, but it's you who decide. You know all things, Lord. Good stuff. stuff. God, the knower of hearts. He knows your heart tonight. He knows your heart and how you came in. He knows your heart and how it's been navigating through this whole Bible study time. He knows your heart right now. The knower of hearts. Show which one of these two you have chosen. We'll finish reading. To take the place of the ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. Man, those are some heavy words right there. Judas turned aside to do his own thing. God is sovereign, and yet people are still responsible. You're going to choose. 26, and they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11. I just want to point this out, and we'll close He's the knower of hearts, and he's the chooser of the weak. Just understand this, that all these men who were selected and chosen, all sinners, all screw-ups, most of them, if not all of them, I think are like nobodies. You know, you try to do some homework. If I asked any of you, okay, list all the 12 apostles, you'd probably name like three of them, and then the rest you'd be like, Yeah, Peter, James, John, Andrew, and yeah, you know, it's just like, oh, and then if you even do research on some of them, it's funny because some of the dictionaries say there's not much said about them, (laughs) and I think that's great. I think God is so, 1 Corinthians one twenty seven, God chose what's foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak to shame the strong. God chose what's low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. This is why, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, that the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Theophilus ought to have read this list and been like, who are these guys? <laughs> you know, Luke's like, oh, yeah, you know, oh yeah, this is all the guys over there. Peter, Andrew, da-da-da-da, da da-da, da-da, da-da. unschooled ordinary fishermen, and all oh, this zealot over here, and this, this doubter over here, Thomas, and this guy, and this guy, and Theophilus, who's an upstanding man, ought to have been like, I cannot find them on Instagram anywhere. I don't even know these guys, like, like, like you know, he's probably trying to look them up on Facebook, and then like. Who is these guys? Who are these guys? I love that. A bunch of no namers. That's me. That's us. If anyone's gonna boast in this church, we're gonna boast in the Lord. We're gonna boast in Christ. I wonder if Matthias was just like, oh my gosh, the lot fell on me. And I wonder if Matthias was like, Why me? You know, if you're a Christian if you're in Christ, if you've placed your faith in him, whatever part in your journey you are at right now, you might think, I am this, I am that, I am what." I. Oh, oh. Perfect candidate for the glory of God. These men were not chosen because of anything in and of themselves. They were purely chosen by the grace of God. He knows all their hearts, and yet he still chose them. Christ died for us even while we're still sinners. Even tonight, you might be in your sin this evening. Your heart might be so hardened towards God or you might be so attached to the things of this world. You're not thinking Acts 1.8. You're thinking just this life. Your, your prayer is not Christ-centered. It's me-centered. I, I plead with you, repent. Repent of your sins. Hear the story. Hear the message. Christ came. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, him, will not perish, have everlasting life, repent of your sin, put your faith in Christ. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our sins. These 12, he made them alive together with Christ. By grace they've been saved. So please, Christian, if you're chosen, oh my gosh, I pray that you would rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. And these boys, you know, Matthias, the chosen, the elect, right now we're going to see in chapter 2 after, as they continue to stir in prayer, one accord, praying the scriptures, the Spirit's going to come upon them in power and then the birth of the church. Seek the Lord this evening. Right now, as you're in deep thought, as you're, as you're praying, you know, ask the Spirit of God, search me, O God, know my heart. How have I been really discerning and seeking you? Walking with you? Am I really walking with God? Is his word really a lamp to my feet and a light to my path? Is scripture really my guide? Or, or, or am I not seeing something? Is this still all about me? Heavy example from the church. In closing, I just want to give some encouraging or maybe some thoughts to trigger as you keep praying. We all need to learn how to read our Bibles and pray. Okay? Okay? And in our church family, we're making efforts to do that. You know, Mel gave those announcements. We all need to learn how all of us, even the pastors, we're still figuring this out. We're trying to discern how to follow God, follow the word. And we do it together, just like how they're doing. So if you're not in something of that, you're not in the discipline of that, being a disciple of Christ, learning how to open your Bible, read, pray, seek God's word and his will and and do something. Please don't just let that fly. Put yourself in a place to do that. And we all need to do this in community. And we all need to make a commitment to take an active step of faith for the cause of Christ, committing to prayer with believers. Let's pray. Father, Holy Spirit, Stir in this room. Let your word guide us. Work in us to will and to act. Put in us the motivation to open up the Bible and to take it as the very word of God. Put brothers and sisters around us and in our vicinity that we can really get with and get on our knees together and share things in life and and seek your your word and your wisdom and your discernment and what to do for the cause of Christ, for the advancement of this gospel. Take our church, take us out of these me-centered prayers and, and put it upon Christ. Let everything we say and do in this place be about the glory of God and the advancement of your message Have mercy on us. I thank you so much for the fire I see in people's eyes as they reflect and contemplate and listen. I pray now, God, that you would really lead us and guide us even right now, this evening. What do we do? Where do we go? Spirit of God, be our counselor, be our guide. And so continue to work among us for your glory. We love you. We love the Bible. Thank you for this text. And we pray that you would now see see to it that we respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.